Warning, this podcast contains sexual content, graphic language, and bodily functions. Get over it. I really need to know the answer to this question because it's been keeping me up at night, and I want to know what everyone thinks. Am I a bad feminist for shaving my pussy? And not just my pussy, I shave my anal hairs. I got hairs around my asshole. Do you have hairs around your asshole? Yeah. You got a lot. Oh, I got I got these little cuties. And you you know when you, get, when you shave them, you got to you got to put a leg up on the shower wall and you got to squat in there and you got to lift up your right cheek and you got to scoop in there. And sometimes I nick myself. I've cut my ass trying to shave my fuckers. And for who is literally going to see these hairs? Nobody. I can't even see these hairs, but I've made this decision to shave them. And my puss. And I'm stuck with it. Because the second it starts to grow out, it gets so itchy. The reason I started shaving was because I was being sold this idea of what the female body had to look like. And that if I wanted to impress men, I had to look a certain way. And I would hear boys, like, growing up, like, you know, talk about porn they had seen. And, oh, this, you know, I would never touch a woman who was hairy, whatever. So the reason I started doing it was very much like for the male gaze. And I think that's, as an adult, I understand that that's flawed and I don't want to do that. But now, I don't know if I can stop. And I don't, and I do think a big part of it is because it's itchy. (laughs) But another part is like, how much, how much can I stop this that I, you know, I've learned, I've learned how to do this. How much, can I, how much can I shed of society's expectations? So I'm stuck. I have to keep shaving it. Am I a bad feminist for shaving my puss? Please email dirtygirlpodcast at gmail.com and troll me. Thank you. I'm Heather Ann Gottlieb, and this is Dirty Girl, the podcast about women and our secretly disgusting lives. Because there's more than one way to get dirty. This week on Dirty Girl, sexually transmitted infections. Yeah, that's right, STIs. Did you know that according to the American Sexual Health Association, one in two sexually active persons will contract an STI by age 25? That's right, folks. 50% of Americans will have an STI in their life. The CDC estimates that undiagnosed STIs cause 24,000 women to become infertile each year. Stop being so fucking ashamed about it. Go get tested, wear condoms, and deal with it. So we met at this bar that's like, I think it's called The Woods. So it's like very dark. And when I came in, he was sitting. Um, And then I don't think he got up to say hi. So I like never knew how tall he was. And then I think when he got up, like I was sitting. So like my perspective was skewed. He wasn't even that short. I just remember being like shocked when we were leaving (laughs) because we hadn't been standing at the same time. So I hadn't known. Um, So we go... We had, like, a couple drinks, so I, oh, I had already been drinking the whole day, so I, like, come in hot anyways, and then we... What does that mean? Like, I, like, I was, like, pretty tipsy. This was New Year's Day. This is how I started my year. Oh, my God, I forgot that. Oh, man. And so, um... we're leaving and he's, like, he has, like, this cute dog. He's, like, oh, do you want to walk my dog? And I'm 
a naive idiot and I was like yeah I want to walk your dog that sounds fun like I like dogs and so we go back to his place and like he did actually have the dog thank god um but he didn't want to walk it at all and so we were like hanging out in his room and I distinctly remember just sitting on the floor I guess playing with the dog or something and um I think we like started making out or something and I was like I don't know I was like very ambivalent about like fucking this dude I was like, I guess, you know, whatever. And so then I, like, always ask if somebody has been tested because it's important to me. And so, like, I just kind of, like, off the cuff was like, all right, you know, well, have you been tested? Like, when's the last time you've been tested? Blah, blah, blah. And he, he said, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's essentially the fact, like, he didn't remember or he didn't know. And I was like, what? what do you mean? I was like, do you just not, like, have you been tested since the last time, like, you had, like, partner or whatever? And he was like, no. And he was like, oh, well, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna sleep with you if you don't know if you have any STDs or, like, if, you, if you're not taking care of yourself health-wise. And he was like, oh, well, should I have said yes then? And I was like, no, that, no. I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, of course you shouldn't have lied. And, um, yeah, and so then, I don't know. I think we ended up, I was, I think he asked if I would, like, give him a blowjob or something. I, maybe he didn't, but somehow I was like, fine, if you slap a condom on, I don't have to, like, touch anything. So I gave him a blowjob with a condom on, which was very funny. I've never done that before. It's really bizarre. Um, I didn't even like his penis that much. So... I feel like sex would have been less than awesome. <laughs> Can you describe the drunkenly putting on a condom, the decision to, like, suck a dick with a condom on it? I mean, he definitely put on the condom. I didn't put it on. Um, uh, I, what was the, the decision? I think it was just, like, <laughs> like, this is happening. And then it felt like... You know when you have a glove, like one of those latex gloves on your hand? Like, that's what it felt like. I don't know. I don't think I've ever, li- like, sucked a finger or something. <laughs> that's, like, what I felt like it was. <laughs> because it didn't feel attached to anything. Like, at that point, it felt, like, so impersonal that I was like, whatever. This is... We're, we're so divided right now. <laughs> like, you have your experience, and I'll just, like, suck on this latex thing. <laughs> Did he orgasm? I don't remember. I imagine, right? Because that's how f- sex finishes with men. Like they, they're like, "Oh, we've orgasmed. We're done." <laughs> Did you orgasm? Did I? Maybe. I don't remember. I mean, we didn't have sex, but he might have gone down on me, which is also stupid. I now have included like, do you have any oral herpes or something? You know, because mm-hmm. that's useful to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's something like we don't think about right and it's that's why the I think the statistic is like 50% of all Americans will have an STI in their lifetime yeah and you know a lot of them are very treatable and are very yeah. you just take antibiotics yeah and, yeah, yeah you know there's really it sh- shouldn't be stigmatized because it's so easy yeah. and we pass them yeah so easily I know. I mean, it's one of those things where, so I have HPV, and it's it's one of those things where, like, <clears throat> do you tell people? Like, should I tell people now? Because we pretty much all have it. I think, like, 
I don't know what the statistic is. I'm going to say something ridiculous, like 80 or 90%. I don't know if that's factual at all. Please double check me. According to the American Sexual Health Association, researchers estimate that at least 80% of sexually active people will have HPV at some point in their lifetime. 80%, y'all. Does HPV have symptoms? Um, I mean, it's a strain of, you can have genital warts or it, so there's very poor research right now about how it affects men. There's an idea that it could in the long run potentially cause cancer, but they don't have conclusive evidence that it is directly related. Um, but for women it can cause genital warts or it can cause cervical cancer. So the one I had was like some pretty bad strains that could cause cervical cancer. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really upsetting thing to find out because I felt like, I felt like at the moment that I found out, um, I had had sex with like a couple different people and one person in particular who I didn't use protection with who I'd been seeing for a little while and I don't know it felt like a punishment almost as like I felt like I had been being safe and communicating and like getting tested and like because I was having sex with different people and like um you know trying out different things like it almost felt like this punishment sort of thing and and that was sort of hard to reconcile but it is so common and and I I ended up getting um they like froze part of my cervix um so they identified like the places where it was and then they froze part of it and um now it's just sort of six months but it's every six months I'll get a pap to see if it's still there but it's one of those things that doesn't go away like it lies dormant and it can be this is something a lot of people don't know um even if it doesn't show up on a pap smear that's amazing it it's, it's not readable, but it's still there. Um, it'll never go away. So it's sort of this bizarre thing, which I think like all of us have, obviously we have dormant things lying within our bodies all the time, but to have something so present that could cause such harm is just a interesting thing to reconcile with. Yeah, I got the, the HPV shots growing up. So did I. But I th- my mom passed away when I was in high school, and I don't actually, she's the one that, like, oh, yeah, so I don't actually know if I have my last shot, because it was, like, a set of three, yeah, and I think I do, Mm -hmm. but I realistically, I don't know, yeah, well, and that's part of why I was upset, was because the shots are horrific, and I did do all three, and I was, like, I did what I was supposed to do, there are so many strains that it's just not one of the strains that the shot prevented against, and so, yeah, I don't know, sort of one of the things of like, okay, well, what do you do now? <laughs> like, there, you know, there's nothing to do. Can you talk about um, getting the diagnosis? And you talked about feeling like it was a punishment. Like, yeah. Were there feelings of shame associated with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know how much you want me to go into this, but I do my own podcast that's about like sex and love and relationships and I feel like a huge theme that's been coming up is like where did shame around sex begin and I feel like that's such a childhood um thing that's embedded within us from a certain point of however we conceptually are taught to think about sex or believe in sex and um in my conception of sex and from my parents and growing up it was very much like it was supposed to be this like very special thing that was like the birds and the 
bells and whistles would go off and the heavens would open when it was with that one perfect person, right? And it was supposed to be this like choir erupting and, and sacred and special. And like, if you didn't do it, my brain interpreted, if you didn't do it in that way, if you didn't have the Disney moment, then there was something wrong and like shameful. So I think like there's a, there was a lot of that in it of like, I'm not doing the prescribed sort of heterosexual thing of like meeting one man and getting married and having the kids and stuff and so because I'm experimenting and because I'm having sex with different people and different partners like yeah there's inherently like a punishment because I'm doing something like shameful or sinful yeah Hey, Los Angeles, did you know we have a live show coming up? Oh my gosh, we do. You can see us live June 23rd at 1.30 p.m. at the Downtown Independent. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we're performing at Romcom Fest, the inaugural festival celebrating rom-coms. And we're going to be there celebrating being dirty and rom-coms. It's so exciting. Uh, tickets are on sale now at romcomfest.com. So, uh... I'll see you there. I'll smell you there. Well, let's queef there together in harmony. A musical of queefs. Why is it important to you to have the conversation with sexual partners before engaging in sexual acts about, um, I just use the word sexual so many times, about their sexual history and um, their, if they've been uh, tested recently. Um, yeah, it's so funny when you say that, what comes up is like, because it's obvious, like, don't want to spread anything. But I think, you know, what's become very important with, for me, in terms of like, engaging sexually with new partners is a level of communication that I've never embraced before and I think that was my first step into owning my own power and sexuality and health and being able to express my needs and that this is important to me and if you don't take if my partner doesn't take their health and as importantly as I do, and then my health, right, because they're putting me in jeopardy if they aren't getting tested and making sure that they're clean and safe and healthy, then it's not somebody that I want to engage with. And it just is, like, more evidence that that's not a right partner. So I think that it's it's a good initial measurement, too, of just, like, how much care do you take in your body? And if we are both sexually active humans who enjoy this and have it with multiple people or experimenting or exploring with multiple people like then health should just be inherent within that community you know like it it should just be like something that we pride ourselves in otherwise it feels reckless was that enough of a soapbox no I loved it I love a good soapbox (laughs) I'm trying to figure out where I want to go from there um, because I love everything you just said. I um, I sent out a, a text message to a bunch of people like two months ago saying like, ooh, you know what? I could read it. <laughs> I have it still. Yay. Um, 
essentially about the same thing. Yeah. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, my God. I'm on my period. Aww. Life is hard sometimes. Are you cramping? I'm cramping. Oh, God, having an IUD is hard. <laughs> it gives me all of the pimples. Does it? Yes. Oh, do you have a hormone one? Yeah. I have a copper one, so it just annihilates my uterus. <laughs> it's like, what's the right way? Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is what I, I sent this to, like, 20 people. Uh, it's time to share some sexual health tidbits. <laughs> Not all STIs present with symptoms. Some can take years for symptoms to emerge, which is why it's important to get tested each time you have a new sexual partner. Hell yeah! There are adverse long-term side effects if you don't get the infections treated. Barrier protection is the only form of birth control that protects from infection. The pills and IUDs are great in protecting for pregnancy, but that's all they do! <laughs> wear condoms with every sexual partner unless you are in a monogamous relationship. I'm guilty of wearing condoms only when a guy wants to wear them, which is irresponsible. And your sexual health is a priority. I know it feels better without one, but it's just not worth the risk. You don't know the sexual history of them or their previous partners. Mm -hmm. Many STIs are easily treatable with antibiotics. Make sure you know your body so you can identify if something is off. Uh, your discard, your discard, your discharge <laughs> changes color. There's a foul odor. You have pain urinating, etc. Make an appointment with your doctor if you experience these symptoms. Don't just wait it out or self-treat. If you do get diagnosed with an STI, seek treatment. I know there's a stigma and you may feel embarrassed, but half the U.S. population will deal with an STI in their lifetime. It is very common. And inform past partners and make sure they get tested as well. If you're worried about that, there are some clinics that allow your doctor to tell them for you. Did you send that out unsolicited? Yes. I love that. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, happy Monday. <laughs> All, like, I feel like a third of the women just ignored me. Shit. Most of them were really excited. Yeah. So... I get yeast infections way too often, but I feel like there's this weird thing where, like, if you have a UTI, you're, like, cool, and it just means you have, like, sex a lot, you know, like, oh, your urethra's cocked up, and, like, that's cool, but somehow, if you have a yeast infection, it means, like, you're, like, dirty, or, I don't know, there's some, like, gross connotation, maybe because of the word yeast just doesn't sound, like, maybe if we set out urinary tract infection, people wouldn't like it as much. So, maybe we just need to call it, like, a YI. But, um, I don't know what that had to do with that, but I just feel like the connotation of, like, anything to do with our genitals, our sex organs, like, has this, like, taboo, shameful quality that is so absurd. Like, it's so separated and divided. Like, we're supposed to walk around in the daytime, like, living, like, half, you know, from, like, our belly button up. And then, like, when we're in our privacy or in our home, we can, like embody the bottom half of our body. <laughs> That's so true. More specifically for women, too, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I going to say? Tell me about your yeast infection. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. God, so bad. Um, I'm allergic to fluconazole now. Which is like a pill you can take that's a one day, yeah, like it's like the, it's the quickest way to treat them. Um, and I didn't realize it until this last time, so now I've had to, I just got one, and I don't even know why, like it's, it's sort of baffling to me, I don't know, whatever, figuring it out, but um, yeah, I've had to explore other 
options and um, they're kind of bizarre but it's it worked so I was like whatever what are the other bizarre um, options my cousin illuminated me she was help well so you can do an apple cider like soak or bath but I try or you can douche with apple cider apple cider vinegar apple cider vinegar yes I was like just cider just cider That's great yeah <laughs> it's delicious for your mouth and your vagina um apple cider vinegar yeah I tried that and it burned so I didn't like it but I other like that is a thing um and then uh probiotics so you can take them orally or you can put them up in your vaginal canal um and that was helpful I think that's what did it um I have a topical but then I also heard in a um a tampon you can soak a couple things of tea tree oil coconut oil and um, one thing I'm not forgetting, and a little bit of water. You can leave it up there, and that that's supposed to be soothing and helpful. Because obviously, it's, it's just a pH balance. You can also put Greek yogurt in your vaginal canal, too, or consume it, which I have been doing a lot. Um, yeah, those are sort of the life hacks. Actually, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did a whole episode, and Red Armisen played the um, yeast infection cat, and I was like, that's amazing. And then, um, what's his name? Uh, Todrick. Todrick Hall played bacterial vaginosis, so <laughs> basically, like, year made. <laughs> I had this conversation yesterday with one of my best friends. Yeah. She called me, and she's like, I have a yeast infection, and my vagina smells so bad. Uh-huh. And I was like, do you want to go play? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, mm, there's an episode. Yeah. And then, I mean, I've had sex with a yeast infection. That's also awful. Can you describe that? Uh, yeah. Oh, God. So, yes. So gross. <laughs> I told the person that I was with that, like, that I had one. And so we, we obviously used a condom and, like, uh, it's just, like, more painful. It sort of was a thing where I was, like, interested, but it, I don't know, it sort of hurts, and I was like, at the end, so I was like, maybe it'll be okay, and it wasn't really, um, but it's gross, there's like, because you have like, it's not even discharge, I don't know, it like lines, I don't know what it is, it's like some white, I think it's considered discharge. It's a discharge, so it's like, it's like lines your vaginal canal, so all of that basically came, I not out, it just was like, I went to the bathroom afterwards and there was just like a ring around my vagina of like this disgusting whiteness and I was like oh oh no never again <laughs> it's like this is a nightmare <laughs> it's like the, like I don't know what just came out of me it's all just here and I did you know I didn't know if it was like on the condom or whatever or on him was it I don't know, because I, well, I don't think we talked about it. We just, like, went to sleep, thank God. Or maybe he was tired, so he, like, didn't. I don't know. You know when things get on a condom or even, like, I don't know. If it's not a partner that I'm super comfortable with, I feel like I, that's something I'm trying to work on, too, of, like, well, you wanted to have sex, so, like, you also get to enjoy all of the things that come out of me. Just, like, I get to enjoy all of the things that come out of you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's shame around things that come out of my body, but, like, for men... It's like, well, whatever. Like, this is my cum, this is my pre-cum, this is my whatever. Um, and you're just going to accept it. But for me, I get, like, sh yeah, shame around. Especially if it's on a fucking condom. I'm like, it's on a latex thing. It's not even touching you. I shouldn't even feel bad. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I totally agree. <laughs> I feel like even, um, like, what do you call, like, when you're aroused as a vagina holder, like, just being wet? Is there a term, like, what is that? It's wet, but then you're, yeah, you get more blood circulation, so you get inflamed as well. Is there well. a term for the wetness? Is that a type of discharge, or that feels like, it, it feels like. I think it's fe- vaginal, it's like fluid. Female pre Yeah. Even that I was ashamed of growing up. Really? Yeah. Yeah, There. well, there's levels, right? If I'm too wet, yeah. then I become shameful. Or like, because I feel like when I'm ovulating, I get really wet for some reason. There's like more fluid in there. And so I have like shame, I like the levels. But if it's a, if it's like the pretty, like acceptable amount that shows the man that I'm turned on, then it was fine. But if it's too much, then I would get, yeah. <laughs> Self-conscious about it. My cousin uh, sent me a meme that was, oh, I wish I had it. <laughs> it was like, when he when he thinks you're wet, but it's just discharge. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, ooh, baby, you're so wet. And you're like, or not. <laughs> Some other fluid yeah, is Yeah, or there. something else is happening. <laughs> That you don't know. That's nice. <laughs> Being 27 years old and finding out from your partner of eight months that they have just tested positive for chlamydia is news I never thought I'd hear. Being 27 and getting an STI is, again, never something I thought I would endure. Those things are reserved for college students, not adults with careers and trusted sexual partners. It felt like a character flaw, a personal attack on me and my life choices of having multiple sexual partners. I thought I was careful and smart about sex and the people I chose to sleep with. I didn't deserve this. I felt like the world around me knew this dirty detail of my life just by looking at me. Even going to the clinic to be tested, the tech told me, I didn't seem like the type. All I could do was laugh and just ask to be treated since I'd been exposed. Four days later, I called back to get my results. I was positive. I just stood there, shocked in the bathroom at work, not entirely sure how to process this or what to even do. I took the antibiotics. I was abstaining from sex, but it felt like I was broken now, tainted and gross. In these moments, you want to believe the best in people, especially the ones you've invited into your life, your bed, and into the emotional parts of you. You hope that those you care for won't judge you as much as you're judging yourself. It was time to make the phone courtesy calls. That, hey, remember me? We fucked once. You should probably get tested. Phone call. There was one particular call I was dreading the most. It was the guy who had strung me along for six months, hot and cold about his feelings and what he wanted, what we call an ain't-shit dude. The call was brief, unemotional, which almost hurt more. About ten minutes later, I got a text from him telling me it was okay, shit happens, but that we shouldn't hang out anymore, with a laughing emoji. I had never been dumped over text, let alone dumped via emoji. That hurt worse than the burn I felt every time I peed. Telling my other partners wasn't easy, but far less passive-aggressive. 
One, refused to believe he had anything, much less be a carrier, and to this day refuses to get tested. The other was sweet, supportive, and even felt guilt and blamed himself. He was the one who initially called me to tell me the news. We spent our seven days of abstinence venting to one another about the judgment we had put on ourselves and hanging out like two sick kids staying home from school because we both had the flu. It brought us closer together. We joked, cried, and held each other. Our relationship went through the ringer, but it made us stronger. I later found out that the fuckboy that I had fallen for was the one who had given it to me. He lied and told me he didn't and scolded me like a little kid about how I need to not be so trusting of people. Ironically, he wasn't wrong. I just shouldn't have trusted him. About two months later, he called me to tell me he missed me and wanted me to be his girlfriend. He also admitted to me that he had a few partners while we were together. A string of one-night stands he didn't use protection with. Still not taking responsibility that he might have been the one who had given it to me. I could connect the dots. I saw how disrespectful he was with my emotions. Why would he be respectful of our sexual relationship either? The direct people in my life were kind. But the most shame I felt was from myself. I allowed myself to sleep with men without protection, which is something I never thought I would allow myself to do, all in the sake of seeming fun. It was a wake-up call to not let my guard down and compromise my health like that just because I was scared a man would like me less for it. I was embarrassed I put myself in this position, but I did, and I grew as a person because of it. My health and my body will never be something I compromise much less would I sleep with someone who would ask me to do so. Don't be embarrassed for being responsible because it seems less fun or cool. A lesson I thought I would have learned earlier in my life, not as a woman pushing my 30s. The shame I put on myself was more than what I felt from the people around me, even though I could sense my friends thinking a little less of me. That I could deal with, but I couldn't deal with the person I had to let myself become. It's been a few months since then, a few more men since then, but being a sexual person who has multiple partners does not mean you lack integrity, pride in your body, or self-worth. A lesson I'm glad I learned. Thank you so much to this week's guests, Jerry Courtney Austin. Again, her podcast is called Finding My Yum. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, thanks to Lauren Elise Buckley for reading the anonymous piece on Chlamydia. Dirty Girl is produced by me, Heather Ann Gottlieb, along with Cameron Taggy, Tristan Bankston, and Alex Salem. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin. We are distributed by the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. Do you want to see tons of nudes and sex tapes and titties? Follow us on Instagram at Dirty Girl Pod. You may or may not find the things just promised to you there. But we want you to follow us. This has been a Hoo Ha Ha podcast.